All right. Well, we've come to this time uh, of the year for many that is incredibly festive and fun, right? Kids love Christmas time. I love Christmas time. Um, most adults love Christmas time. Um, they just maybe choose not to express it in the same ways. So which one of these people are you, right? You might be the Christmas music before Thanksgiving type of person. No, no, I got a big no. Wow. Okay. Uh, which is fine to each their own. Okay. I like Christmas music and there's a time for it. Um, even in, in uh, June every now and then, okay? Um, okay, what about this? You might be, uh, you might decorate your home for Christmas right after Halloween, and you leave it up till Groundhog Day, yeah? Okay. I will say that we decorated our house early, but I'm telling you, this, this crunch with Christmas being on a Sunday and an Advent starting right after Thanksgiving has really messed my clock up. And uh, there's just a lot going on. Maybe you fall somewhere in between, right, of these extremes. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a festive time, and we all have our own little traditions and how we set up our houses and, and what we do. We've also come to a time where there's a lot going on. I spent like 45 minutes telling you about the announcements today, right? It, at least that's what it sounded like. Uh, but there's kids' programs going on. There's, uh, there's work Christmas parties. You try and fit all kinds of get-togethers with your friends and your families um, in between now and Christmas time, maybe even just New Year's. And, and there's hours spent um, baking all that good stuff that you bake. And um, I am a certified taste tester in that department. So if, if that's necessary, please um, let me know. And, uh, but Christmas brings on all those baking, that time baking, which is awesome. Um, maybe you have a massive church function that is planned as well. For example, I don't know, on December 16th and 17th from 6 to 9 p.m., where our entire church is going to host the entire town to come to a live nativity. I don't know. There's just a lot going on on our calendar. And there's more than that, but that's just a little dip in the... And really, it started on Thanksgiving Day. And again, it's all kind of compact into this 30 days. I don't know what... Uh, I know, though, that in a group like this, that this time of year is not always the easiest time for everyone, right? That, um, and that might just be because of a recent loss of a loved one or sickness that's going on in your home that you may not have a loved one for very long. Maybe it's because of lost relationships that you uh, have experienced that caused a lot of hurt in your life. Um, maybe because of just family drama, because that happens, doesn't it, right? Just the family drama, when families get together, things happen. Opinions are expressed and uh, about who's better, the Chiefs or the Broncos or Whatever. I know it never goes to, I see you back there, Marlene. I know. <laughs> and we know it's the Chiefs, okay? Um, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, and I know most people's hearts um, feel that way, but, you know, anyway. Um, but it's not always just mistletoe and yuletime cheer during Christmas time or any holiday for that matter. And so the Advent season is a special time of year where we focus our hearts 
on the arrival of our Savior and Lord to this world. And the word Advent, you'll hear us say it a lot. When I was a kid, we never said the word Advent. I never, we never, we didn't ignore it, but it just wasn't in our vocabulary. We said Christmas all the time, the Christmas season and all those things. And so um, if it's not familiar to you, I want you to know what Advent means because we're going to say it for the next 30 days and we're going to use it in different contexts and we need you to know what it means. And so I don't want you to be in the dark. I don't want to assume that everybody just kind of knows what Advent is. Um, And so Advent is just very simple. It's not just a Christmas term, but Advent is this. It means coming into place or coming into view or into being or arrival. Now, that's probably the most familiar one, that an anticipation of an arrival of something, right? The advent of whatever is to come. Um, and it's, the word advent is not only for Christmas, obviously, but the arrival of the Son of God onto the earth that he created, okay? Um, it's a coming into place. Jesus is coming into place. It's the beginning of Jesus' purpose here on earth and why he came. And I love that idea. I love the idea that it's a coming into being on, onto a place where uh, he's going to serve his purpose. And the arrival of Jesus brought with him the hope of all mankind. And that's what this series, this time leading up to Christmas, is what we're going to talk about a lot. Hope. Hope is dot, dot, dot. And I put out there on our sermon prep um, question this week, what is the definition of hope for you? And maybe you have a different one um, than anybody else. And um, you know, we kind of all probably, if we bared down, we could give you an answer. You could give an answer if we just pass the mic around. Um, but this is, this is kind of what the dictionary would say. Okay? It's a feeling that what is wanted can be had. That's what hope is. It's a feeling that what is wanted could be had, right? So, um, or, or it could be the events that will turn out for the best. We hope that the events will turn out for the best. So um, a- another way to look at it would be to look forward to with a desire or reasonable confidence, right? We don't hope for things we know will never, ever happen, We look forward, we hope for things, we look forward with a desire, with reasonable confidence that it will go on, right? And we'll kind of unpack that just a little bit more. So this idea of hope, it represents um, in our hearts, it's sometimes difficult to grasp, especially in our world today. Maybe considering the experiences you've had lately, Maybe considering some experiences you've had just in your life in general. Um, Because you can say, you can ask this question, how can you find hope, Paul, when when you're buried in depression? How can you find hope when you're faced with all kinds of personal health issues? Right? Where's the hope in that, Paul? How can you find hope when your relationships are all broken? Every time I step into something new, it falls apart. How do I find hope with that? How can you find hope when you cannot seem to find the answers that you're looking for? And believe me, I've looked, right? 
Well, we can get buried even further um, because we ask all these questions, where do you find hope? And some look for hope. We've looked really hard in a lot of places, right? We look for it in unhealthy relationships over and over again. We try and fill that gap, and all it does is harm us. We look for it in drugs or alcohol that surface needs that we feel like, oh, that did it, and then an hour or two or next day it didn't, and then we do it again. Um, the work, we go to work, and then we go to more work, and then we, that feels, we, we try and find hope in all of that because it just boosts us up a little bit, but maybe not, right? And other things that might give, that might give us the illusion of hope, but they fall apart because more and more hurt is caused by more and more problems that we pile on ourselves with those relationships or the substance or the whatevers that we deal with. Well, hope, hope has always been a part of our DNA. Mankind, our DNA, has always been a hopeful people. Um, while we view hope as something that is uplifting or positive, there's always a little bit of negative in, the, in hope because that's what hope it kind of surrounds about, right? If there's nothing bad that there's nothing to look forward to, right? And that's what hope is. That anticipation of what we would like to have can happen. So essentially, it's the idea um, uh, that, that this negative happening would help you understand how good the positive things are, okay? And so it's not always the case, but let's, we, we can take a look at Scripture and see how hope has always been a part of our DNA. And it goes way back to the beginning, um, literally, okay? And, and it starts in the Garden of Eden, way back in Genesis chapter 3. And uh, not until, though, not until sin enters the world. There's no hope until sin enters the world. Because before sin, there was no need for hope. The world was perfect, right? And uh, I mean, God would come down every afternoon and hang out with Adam and Eve. That's, there's nothing perf more perfect than that. And so um, there didn't need to be uh, any hope. But if you recall, Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. And from that, um, you know, God, there were two trees in the, in the Garden of Eden that God instructed them not to eat from. The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Don't, don't eat those. Don't eat that fruit. But they did, right? Um, and they disobeyed God. They ate the fruit. And sin enters the world. Boom. Just like that. And because of that, immediately, mankind is separated from God. Immediately. The fallout of knowing the difference between good and evil. They knew. They hid from God. Immediately, God comes down to hang out with them like he does every day. And he says, where are you? Like God didn't know, right? There was only two people. It was uh, the biggest game of hide-and-seek ever. But he knew right where they were. He can't play hide-and-seek with God. But mankind is separated from God immediately. And more importantly, the need for hope came into existence right then and there. The feeling that what is wanted could be obtained. That's hope. And the important thing to note here is that God... 
when Adam and Eve both sinned, God had the ability to end it right there. He had the ability to wipe them all out, to just take the earth, crumple it up, and play a little paper basketball with the, the waste can in heaven, right? He just didn't, nobody would have known, right? Nobody would have known if he would have wiped them all. There was only two people on the earth, and he could have just hit the reset button, but that's not what he did. Instead, he deals out consequences. And in Genesis chapter 3, um, in verse 9 through 24, you can find those consequences. And he addresses different, uh, different places. He, he gives consequences to the serpent because sin has consequences, right? So um, the first thing is he gives consequences to the serpent, that he's going to slither around on the ground, which would have been weird. I don't know before that if snakes just kind of went around like that. I don't know. Um, but he gives consequences to Adam and Eve, and there's a list of those, basically to all mankind, right? And because of Adam, we have weeds, and I hate him for that because I grew up on a farm and I pulled a lot of weeds. Um, and God begins to define in the hearts of mankind that hope, that, that what hope is throughout all Scripture. And he continues throughout Scripture uh, in the lives of his own chosen people. God chooses people to move hope down the road. And it all points to one point in time. He moves Noah. He moved hope through Noah, whose faith was deep enough for God to spare his family. Right? He spared his family because he could have hit the reset button with Adam and Eve. He did when in Noah's time. And Noah's faith was strong enough that he and his family and all of the animals jumped on the ark and God wiped out the rest. And then hope continued to move on through Abraham. And this is where it gets good, right? Read your Bibles, folks. It's really cool. Start in Genesis if you want um, because the, the stories are awesome, okay? And if you want to get to know Jesus, start in Matthew. But otherwise, start at the beginning and read the cool stories, okay? But hope moves through Abraham. And God approaches Abraham. He, he approaches Abraham and he, he makes him a promise and he says, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation, Abram. Okay, it was just Abram at that point. He didn't add the hand yet. And he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. He made a promise to a couple that had no kids. And he was 99 years old. He made a promise to a couple that had no children. Have you ever experienced that? Do you think that Abraham and Sarah hoped for children? I do. And people experience that every single day. They hope for that every single day. But because Abraham was faithful to God at 99, he becomes a daddy for the first time. Now, I don't recommend that, but, you know, um, you know, 99 was like 29 then, I guess. Who knows? Um, God blesses him with a son named Isaac. And Isaac ends up with twins, and their names are Esau and Jacob. And Jacob ends up having 12 sons. That's a lot of sons. And one of those guys' name, one of those sons' name was, was Joseph. And Joseph has a crazy life, and we talked about him not too long ago. He has a crazy life, and, and his brothers end up being real mean to him, and they sell him. And he ends up in Egypt and saves his family. In all of Egypt, uh, he ends up being the second lead, uh, ruler of all of Egypt and brings his whole family down, 70 of them. Jacob included. 
Remember, I'm going to make you a great nation, Abraham. And his great-grandson brings 70 people down. 600 years later, 2 million people leave Egypt because he moves hope through Moses. And 2 million people leave Egypt in, headed towards the promised land because he, would, he uses, um, after centuries of slavery, he uses uh, Moses to take them out. Now, it took them a while to get where they were going, right? But for so long, here's what happens. Israel prospers, and then they disobey, and they fall off. the, And then they prosper, and good things happen. We want our own king. And then they fall off the edge of the earth because they, wanted, they got their king, but they chose him. They didn't let God choose the king. But here's David, and then David does great things, and then they follow. And then it's eventually, um, they go into exile, and Nehemiah comes back, and he rebuilds the temple, and Jerusalem becomes a thing again, and life gets back to normal. And God uses his people moving hope down the road, and he just kind of takes a break. God just kind of takes a break from talking to anybody for about 400 years until, until he makes a visit to this couple, but not today. Hope kept God's chosen people moving forward all the way through the New Testament, Old Testament, all the way from Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, all the way to the manger. Hope is what we're talking about for a month. Over the next few weeks, just leading into Christmas, we're going to um, kind of just look at some characteristics of what hope is. And most of it's just going to be hope is this, 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 right? And I'm going to try and unpack three or four things. Uh, you're thinking hopefully it's only three. Um, and, and that's okay. Uh, but, but we want to understand that we hope for a lot in our lives. And hope is the driving force of our faith in our world. And so uh, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews today. So if you want to look in Hebrews chapter 11 with me, that, um, you can uh, find that in your scriptures or in your uh, electronic device. But I think it'll be on the screens because Geraldo is awesome. Hey, uh, shout out to our media team, which has done a great job. Holly and Geraldo are both sick, and everything um, has run smooth as uh, butter. Um, even the live stream, Josh stepped in, does, has done a great job. I'm assuming it's going great, and so I'll just, we'll keep that going. God's good, and I'm happy for the talents of our, our crew today. Um, so um, here's a couple of things that hope is in our lives. Hope is faith in action. So in Hebrews chapter 11, um, Hebrews is a, is a cool book. We don't know who wrote it. Um, we, you could think it's Paul. Uh, it sounds a lot like the Apostle Paul. He wrote pretty much all of the New Testament, it seems, so might as well have been, but we don't know, and so we don't really say who it is. But Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the hall of faith, and um, we get a definition of what faith is, and it includes what we're talking about during Advent tonight. Now, faith, this is chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You know, the author here, he pairs both faith and hope together. 
and he sets up how they work in concert, okay? So um, faith, hope is faith on the move. It's, it's always on the move. And, and so Christmas is coming up. Christmas with kids is the best, okay? I encourage it uh, greatly. And they are excited. Kids are always excited about Christmas. They're anticipating something special, always something special. Now, something special to a kid might be pretty small, right? It doesn't have to be this grandiose thing for a kid to think it's special because it is. It's special. And they hope. They're looking forward with great hope, with anticipation that something they desire will happen. Why? Why do they do that? Well, it's because they have faith. And they have confidence in what they hope for, right? Because last Christmas, last year on Christmas, they got a present and they opened it and it was something special. And they remember that from the time they're old enough to understand and they, they feel the anticipation building up. They open that gift and it's really something special. And this year, they hope that will happen again. Hope empowers faith, and faith is the confidence of what we hope for. So faith and hope, they go hand in hand. And hope, so hope is this faith in action. It's always on the move. Faith on the move, if you will. Hope is also always looking towards the future. It's always looking down the road. Okay, And we saw this in what we already talked about. It was always pushing down the road. Everything that hope implies, uh, what is to come. Hope implies what's to come. You never hope for something that's already happened, do you? I don't hope that the Chiefs win their game last week. Because they did. I already know it. I don't hope in things, I don't hope for things that already happened. I hope that they win later today. Amen. Amen. That's right. But I, I, I don't hope that they win last Sunday because that's already done deal. Okay? I don't hope that the Jayhawks will win the national championship last April. They already did. I hope that they win this April. Okay? They got a lot of work to do after Saturday's game. So it, it is what it is. Okay? But I hope that they, hope is always looking to the future. It's looking down the road. It never looks backwards. And just like we explored earlier, right, we all the way from the Garden of Eden, from the time sin enters the world, hope was the driving purpose, uh, it was driving God's purpose and plan forward towards one time, the manger, when hope comes to earth, right? Hope was pointing God's people to Jesus and his arrival, that was the purpose of getting all these little things together. It was important that all the little things fall into place. It, the, you know, the Israelites, they, they elected Saul as king, their very first king. And God said, okay, that's fine, I guess. But it, he was the first king of Israel. But who needed to be the king? David needed to be the king. Because on this day in the city of David... Christ was born. It was important because otherwise all the songs that we sing wouldn't have come true, right? Oh, yeah, and Luke chapter 2 didn't work out either. 
Because Jesus comes from that line of David, if you work it all out. It's important, all that stuff. So everything in the first 39 books of the Bible is hope being pushed forward towards Jesus. And so hope is always looking towards the future, and it's pointing God's people to Jesus and his arrival. And so we read in, in Hebrews chapter 11, 1, and it talks about hope and faith together. And, the, and, and really, all of chapter 11, it, it's referred to as the hall of faith. And all the way through chapter 11, you see by faith, by faith, by faith. And we see Noah, by faith Noah, by faith Enoch, by faith Abel, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah. You turn the page. More by faiths all the way through. There's like 180 of them. Not really. There's a lot, though. By faith Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. It just keeps going. It says all this list of incredible people that God had amazing, that God saw have amazing faith. And God trusted. And God did great things through them. All with the purpose of moving hope forward. But even in their faith, God was always looking to the future. So in Hebrews uh, 11.39, the last two verses in uh, the last two verses of this chapter, we read how God was always looking towards the future. These were all commended for their faith after talking about the, the 25 people that had incredible faith, this hall of faith, this great cloud of witnesses that he addresses in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Okay, that These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Well, that's kind of a letdown. I thought that's not very hopeful, but here it is. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. God had something better for them. Hope is always looking to the future. So hope is faith in action. It's always on the move. Faith is always looking down the road. And faith is a person, and his name is Jesus. The Christmas story clearly shows that hope resides in one person, Jesus. Hope is what the angels sang about when Jesus was born. Hope is what caused Mary to be secure in her unprecedented situation. Hope is why the shepherds came to worship. They had no idea other than what they had hoped for, for a world damaged by sin and uh, a people born in sin, there simply could not be any other source of hope but Jesus. And believe me, they tried, right? A good education. They worked on all that. They wanted the best of the best, that, but that couldn't solve all the people's problems at that time. They didn't have any hope in that. Uh, the government that they had in place at the time, the action that they did, the, they had no power to solve the problems of the world, okay? And different and better laws at that time to protect the people, it didn't matter. It did not solve and could not help the source of the problems that were facing all the people uh, in, the, in, that, in that time prior to Jesus being born. And... Um, and then hope comes to earth. And just as an aside, that's true today. 
if we put our hope in the, the people that make laws and that we vote on and all that stuff, we're, we're going to be disappointed, okay? Um, our hope is a person, but it's not a governor, and it's not a president or a senator or a representative of any kind. It's not a mayor. It's not even a mom or a dad. It's Jesus, okay? I don't know where that came from. But when hope came, people didn't, they didn't really know how to respond. When Jesus arrived, they didn't know what to do. Because they, but they knew something was different. They knew something had changed just by his arrival. So they, they did the only thing they knew to do, worship him. The shepherds, they weren't sure what to do. They just came and they worshiped. The wise men, they weren't sure why they were on the move, why they were following that star. But the, their hope was that their, their, it was hope that moved them to bring gifts to Jesus and to worship him. And eventually, they would see that baby grow up and, and see him in a completely different light. And they would see Jesus not just as their hope, but also as their Savior. So that's what hope is. Hope is always on, it's our faith in action. It's always on the move, right? Hope is, um, is always looking down the road. It's never looking behind us. We don't hope in things, the hope for things that have already happened, okay? And hope is a person, and his name is Jesus, we go back to um, Hebrews 11, and we read uh, again, um, verse, verse 40, Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us they could be made perfect. Right? God has provided, he's planned something better for us. He's provided something for us to hope in. Hope. It's that feeling, the feeling that what is wanted can be had. The things that we desire, it can be had. We can get them. Okay? We have hope in Jesus, right? Because he is always with us, even if we don't feel him right now, right? And that's possible. I understand that completely. We may not feel like he's with us, traveling along, and you might be in a rough patch, but I guarantee you he's there. He's standing right there with you because he's always with us, even if you don't feel it. He's with you. We have hope in Jesus because he's the same God. He's the same God, the same one that protected Noah and his family from the flood. He's the same God that blessed Abraham and Sarah with a baby at 99 years old. He can do it all right? He's the same God that used Moses to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Who He, he was a murderer, and a, he stuttered all the time and super insecure about who he was and how God could use him, and he did it anyway because he's the same God that we could all have hope in. He's the same God that sent Jesus, his only son, to die on the cross for you and for me. So I encourage you this week, Take some time to explore where you place your hope. Literally, take out a piece of paper. Open the notes in your phone if that's what you do. Write down what hope is to you. 
what is hope to you? Because we do look for hope in lots of stuff, right? So do you place your hope in stuff that you try to manage on your own? Or do you place your hope in Jesus? Do you place your hope in stuff that will fail you in the end? Meaning people, others, this world. Or do you place your hope in Jesus? And do you place your hope in stuff that you think that you can control? Or do you place your hope in Jesus? Because hope today is three things. It's faith in action. It's hope is always looking to the future. And hope is a person named Jesus. Let's pray today. Father God, we love you. And we're, we're just in awe of the hope that you provide for us. This, this sense of knowing that we can have what we want. And we can hope for a lot of things. But Father, we know that our hope needs to be in Jesus. And then we need to move forward. Then all these things will be added unto us. That we seek first the kingdom of God. And Father, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity to explore your scripture and to see how all the way through the history of your word, how you've moved hope towards us, towards this time right now, and moving forward in our lives. And just help us to be secure in knowing that you are with us. And uh, to understand that maybe uh, we, we don't feel like we're in a very hopeful situation, but that we just hold on to what we do know. And Lord, we just ask that you will show us every day what it means to place our hope in you and not in our own selves, that we surrender those things to you. Lord, send us today on this first Sunday of Advent as we go out and be a light for you. Lord, we love you. Help us to have a great afternoon and a wonderful week experiencing and loving on others. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you Tuesday night at the parade. Don't forget, right after, if you want to hang out and help, you can. Have a wonderful week. Get back to school, kids.